0: Have you ever in your life got to a moment where you've said something like this, it's just too much? Anyone ever felt like that? There's so much hassle, there's so many difficulties, it's so frustrating. Have you ever got to a point where you've just wanted to throw your arms up in the air and say, it's just too much? You know, I wanna, I wanna thank you, uh, many of you who have contacted me and Alison. Over the last week or so, you've sent messages, texts, emails. You've spoken to us, asked us how things are going uh, with Simeon, our youngest son who's got learning disability, had a real breakdown, a, a real meltdown uh, two weeks, two week, a week last Tuesday and Wednesday, I was in hospital twice, and I shared a little bit about it last Sunday. And Thank you so much for all your messages. He's doing much better this week, okay, and we're really grateful to God for that. But I know there came a point last week when we felt a little bit like that as well. It's just too much. You know, there just seems to be so many different things coming at you all at the same time. But as I was preparing for this talk this morning and the verse that we're going to look at, God really asked me about that phrase and said, Leon, you know, that it's just too much that you've been saying, look again at a different perspective of that phrase. Because we can say it's just too much with hassle. But you know what? When you invite God, when you invite Jesus to be the Lord and the leader and the shepherd of your life, there comes moments when you throw your arms up, not in exasperation, but in gratitude, and you say, God, it's just too much. The good things you do in my life, the blessings you bring into my life, the things you pour into my life, it's just too much. Anyone agree with that? And and what I want to do this morning is I want to show you a verse in this psalm where actually David just pours this all out, and I I can imagine him on the side of the hill as he's writing this, throwing his arms in the air, not in exasperation, but in gratitude, saying, God, it's just too much what you do in my life. That even in the middle of difficulties and trouble and hardships, God, you still pour so much great stuff into my life. And so we've been looking at this idea of the shepherd, And in biblical days, in the days of David, the the imagery here is very important. We understand the context. And um, there would have been a public sheepfold with lots of flocks of sheep. The shepherd would turn up in the morning and, and he would go into the public sheepfold and he would then just call out for his own sheep. And all these sheep are all mixed up, but his own sheep know his voice. So they would come to him and then he would begin the journey of the day and he would lead them out. And as he led them out, he would lead them to green pastures, where he'd make them rest, even if they didn't want to, because he knew what was coming up ahead, where he would carve out some pools of still waters in the rushing water. Remember, the rushing water would drown the sheep because of the anatomy of their face. He would, with his staff, carve out a pool of still water. And we looked at what that means for us, that, you know, when the Lord's your shepherd, you don't need to want for anything else, because whatever you have in God is greater than what you don't have in life. And all these things that can stop us living life now, discontentment, hurry, worry, stress, burnout, when he's your shepherd, he will lead you to those places where you can rest and those places where you can be refreshed. And then last week, we looked at when he leads us and guides us, even when it comes to the valley of the shadow of death, which is going through those periods in our life where it's really tough. But our shepherd never leaves us. He leads us through that and out into the other side. And where we left it last week was that we said the other side of the valley of the shadow of death is the greenest, richest, most amazing pasture the sheep could ever experience. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. So this morning is all good news. Is that good? Are you up for some good news this morning? Okay, last week it was tough. We were looking at the valley of shadow of death, but this morning it's all good news. And David uses three phrases that I want to look at this morning. And we're going to use, we'll look at each phrase and then break it up with something responsive, some worship, communion uh, as we go through over the next hour together or the next 55 minutes anyway. So here is the verse, verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. What I'd love us to do is to say that out loud together because I want you to hear yourself saying these three phrases together. So is that all right if we just say it out loud together? Here we go. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. It's just too much. If we look at what these three phrases mean, it's like it's just too much, God. You do too much amazing stuff. So the first thing is this. The Bible says, David says, you prepare a table, before, you put a table before me in the presence of my enemies. In other words, there is a feast in the middle of a fight, if we could only see it. Now, to understand what this means, we have to understand that in biblical days, for the shepherd, uh, a new pasture has a name. It's called the table land. That's literally what it's called, okay? And so what would happen is that um, the shepherd, before he led the sheep into the table land, He would go to prepare that pasture. He would take salts and he would take minerals. He'd throw them all around the ground. He would clear rocks out of the way. He would take thorns out and thistles out. He would look at holes in the ground where the sheep might put their leg and break their leg. He would fill the holes in. He would especially be on the lookout for animals that would be threats to the sheep. Wolves, coyotes, especially snakes, poisonous snakes. Okay, there's one in Israel called an adder. And what he would do is that he would he would um, he would look for the holes where the adamite might live. And on his belt, he's got a flask of oil. And he puts some of the oil around the hole so it stops the snake getting out. But just to be doubly sure, he would take some of the oil and he would anoint the head of the sheep with oil so that if the snake did pop its head up, it would smell the oil on the sheep and it wouldn't want to bite it. That's how much he cared about the sheep. When we were in South Africa uh, six or seven weeks ago... Um, some of the girls on the trip, not the men, of course, but some of the girls were a little nervous about snakes. And I'd said, listen, there's no problem with snakes. But there was. (laughs) And there was a black mamba snake that uh, appeared uh, on the the black mamba. If it bites you, you're dead. And it it appeared on the site where we were staying. And um, (laughs) the girls said, where is the black mamba? And so I thought, I said, oh, it's way over the back. It wasn't. It was much closer than what we thought. But it was interesting seeing this snake kept popping up and all the guys on the, on, that were living there, Africans, many of them, were trying to kill it and they just couldn't. And it kept disappearing under the rock and it was always kind of there. Uh, it was like in the presence of the snake, you know, we had to get some rest. I did think about anointing the, 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 the faces of the women with oil, but it, it, didn't, it wasn't going to work. But th- this whole threat of this enemy that's right there, and, and, and I thought about this and I thought, here's God. Uh, and what he says is that he takes such great delight in preparing things for you and for I. Which is amazing. That's what the shepherd did. But if we look at the, at the actual language, it's written not in English, but written in Hebrew. And the word prepare literally means to arrange, to set in order, to furnish, to ordain or to lay. It's like God just doesn't throw a table together He ordains it. He furnishes it. He prepares it exactly for us. And the word table means shoot forth or grow long. You know, I I love, how many of you love buffet meals? yeah? If the table is as big as possible with as much food as possible, it's good. That's what God says. He prepares a table before us which grows long, which shoots forth full of amazing stuff for us to eat. And a feast is a provision or sustenance. And so God, in the midst of our busy lives, when there are enemies around and He doesn't necessarily push them all away, in the midst of that, He creates for us, He makes for us a table that is full of good things to eat for you and I. And I've experienced that over the last few weeks through the difficult things that we've been through. You see, provision and feasting can come from a variety of sources. When someone just blesses you, when someone says something good to you, when someone gives you a gift... You know, maybe for comfort or rest or good food or friendship or fun, you know, or a nice boss or a good salary. Those can be things that God provides through those sources into your life. The thing is, do we see that it's God who's provided that for us or do we just say, hey, I've got it? Do we actually say, God, behind this provision is your hand? You know, I want to be someone that lives like that, that whatever I get into my life, whatever blessing God puts in my life, I know that behind that is his hand. That's what David was talking about. And enemies are not singular, but many. Enemies can be distress or difficulty or hardship or oppression. And David says, in the middle of all these enemies, I'm going to prepare a table for you to feast. So you could say it like this. God, you arrange, you set in order ordain and furnish with great attention to detail a feast of all sorts of provision that is piled high and stretches out a long way right in the middle of all my distress, trouble and hassle. Isn't that amazing? God, this is just too much. In the middle of all of this life, you would take the time to prepare a table for me. Now we know that the imagery of the table brings us into this table here. Because ultimately, how he's prepared a table for us is through his own son, Jesus Christ. The Bible says that God sent Jesus, who lived a perfect life, who died a horrific death, but who was rose again, r- raised again on the third day so that you and I could have life. So in the midst of all of our difficulties, in the midst of all of our trouble, in the midst of all our afflictions, we can pull up a seat to this amazing table. One of my uh, favorite stories in the, in the, in the Old Testament is a story about a guy called Mephibosheth. Okay, if you've never heard this story before, I've told it lots of times. I love the story. And in the ancient uh, world where this story was set, there was a a little bit of a, a rule and a law that went on. And it said this, that if you were in a battle with another king, if you won the battle as part of the victory, you would wipe out all of the family, all of the family members of your enemy. And David had this little war going on with Saul, okay? So the two families, and Saul died, and his son Jonathan died, and David became the king. But Saul had a grandson called Mephibosheth, and when he was a little baby, when he heard that his father and his grandfather had been killed in the battle against David, his nurse picked him up and tried to run out with him, and she dropped him. And because of the fall, he was was disabled in both legs. He couldn't walk properly after that. And he grew up in constant fear of being called into David's presence because he knew that David had every right to kill him. But one day, David got up and he said this in 2 Samuel 9, uh, and he he sent for Mephibosheth into his presence. And Mephibosheth came in and he just like stumbled into the presence of the king in the palace. And he was fearful for his very life. But the Bible says this, David said, Don't be afraid, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather Saul and you will always eat at my table. And I, when I when I read this you know, story many years ago there is so many analogies between you and I in this. You see you and I were also product of a fall. And that fall the fall of humanity that was in the garden of Eden meant that all of us have been dislocated from God. We've all been separated from ourselves and God. None of us deserve to be in his presence because of the fall. But because of his grace and his kindness, he invites us in. And not only that, but he says, And I've got a table with all of my sons and daughters. And I'd like you, Mephibosheth, to sit at that table always, just like you're one of my own kids. Isn't that amazing? And that's what God has done for us through Jesus. So this morning, if you know him, okay, if he is your shepherd and your Lord, there is a table he has ordained for you. There is a table he has prepared for you. There is a table he has furnished for you. All you need to do is pull up your seat and eat. And that's what we're going to do right now. I'm going to ask the band to come back. And we're going to take communion together this morning. And this is the first time we've taken communion here in this venue. And so this is a, a special moment for us as well. And can I just say What you're going to be served this morning is just bread. It is gluten-free bread, okay? Because I know that that is a growing issue for many of you. So we've just decided to go all gluten and just make that easier for everybody. And it's just bread, gluten-free bread, and it's just juice. But it speaks of the body and the blood of Jesus. And through that, He has prepared a table for us. Not only is He the host, but He's also the feast of this great meal as well. So I want you to know that whatever you're going through right now, Whatever trouble or difficulty or hardship you're going through, you can pull up a table. You can pull up a chair to the table this morning. You can feast on what he has done. In the midst of your enemies, you can feast. I'm going to ask you guys to start serving. And when you take the bread and the juice, don't eat it right now and don't drink. Just hold on to it. Would you do that for me? Hold on to it because we're going to stand and we're going to eat and drink together this morning. If you're newer, maybe you're not yet a Christian, you are very welcome to partake as well, okay? We don't want put anything in your way. If you want to do that, that's absolutely fine. So you just take, just hold on to it, and we will eat and we will drink together. And while we do this, we're going to just sing this song, and this song reminds us that the cross of Jesus Christ towers, towers above any enemy in our life. So whatever you're going through right now, whether you're going through tough times at work, Whether you're going through a financial challenge, whether you're going through a health challenge or a relational challenge, whatever the enemy is against you, you need to know the cross of Jesus Christ is above any enemy you can ever experience. So because of that, you can pull up a chair and you can eat and you can be refreshed through him this morning. So just take hold of the bread, take hold of the cup, hold on to it and then we'll eat and drink together. Amen. Why don't you take your seats? What, a, what an incredible song. I love that. The cross towers over it all. And if that wasn't too much, he goes on and says, And you anoint my head with oil. Now, in Bible days, anointing with oil was a symbolic thing, but it was very important. It was about consecration. Often, if you came into a, a position of uh, rulership or leadership, you'd be anointed with oil. It's also a symbol of uh, empowerment, And um, then in the New Testament, it's picked up as a a metaphor, as a picture of the Holy Spirit, okay, and that Spirit of God and how that comes into our life. But to understand it in the context of the psalm, you need to understand what the shepherd did with oil, because on the shepherd's belt, he'd have this little bottle of oil, and he would use that for three things. It was firstly, to repel insects, secondly, to prevent conflicts, and thirdly, to heal wounds. And every evening what he would do, okay, it sounds a little weird, is that the sheep would file through and he'd drop his staff in front of them. And as he dropped his staff, you know like those um, in car parks, you know the kind of things that go up and down? A little bit like that. He'd drop the staff down and then he'd wait till the sheep come and then he would check the sheep over just to see if there's any marks or grazes or bumps on the sheep from the day. And then he would, if there was, he would take the sheep aside and he would anoint the sheep with the oil. And then he'd let the sheep go. But you see, what also would happen is, is that he would take the oil and use it for other things as well. And I want to just break it down for you. The first thing is to repel insects. So here's a bit of biology for you this morning. Nose flies, okay, are big in the Middle East and they are irritating flies. that get in the face of the sheep, annoying them. And what they do is that they would lay their eggs in the soft membrane of the sheep's nose, which would become larva, which would hatch into these kind of flies. That's pretty gross, isn't it? It would annoy you if that was happening in your life, wouldn't it? In your nose. That's what happened. And what the, what, when swarms of these things came at the sheep, they would panic. They would run. They would hide. They would forget to eat. They couldn't sleep. The ewes would stop milking. The, the lambs would stop growing. But the shepherd cared for his sheep so much that he would take the oil and he would anoint the head of the oil and that would repel the insects. And when I discovered that, I thought, isn't it amazing that God cares about even the little annoying irritating things that get in my face how many of you've got little annoying irritating things they're called children no they're not that was a joke that was a joke that was a joke didn't mean that but we've all got them haven't we okay whether it's your work colleagues whether it's frustration whether it's people that just annoy you and God cares about you and he says listen if you'll just stop and you'll let me touch your life I can repel even those irritating annoying things that are getting in your face it's amazing That's just too much. But then it's also, he'd used oil to prevent conflicts. This is how it would work. Sheep are usually at rest until mating season. Then when mating season comes, the rams, okay, they start kind of clashing heads together. And what he would do is that when the sheep are starting to clash heads, he would anoint their heads with oil so that when they clashed, which they did, the actual heads would slide off each other without doing much damage. And I thought, isn't that such a brilliant picture? You and I clash heads with other people, don't we? But when the oil of God's presence, when the oil of God's spirit is there, even though we will clash, there can be that prevention of damage and conflict, which is amazing. But then the third thing is that if there are wounds, if there are you know, conflicts, if there are thistles, if there are snake bites, if there are wounds that the sheep pick up, he would then bring them aside and he would anoint them with the oil, which would heal them of the wounds that they just picked up. You know, some wounds are a result of us just living life in the pasture, aren't they? We all pick up wounds. Someone once said that to be human is to be wounded. You don't have to be old. You don't have to be young. You know, we all pick up wounds along the way of life. We just do. Sometimes we pick up wounds through life. Sometimes we pick up wounds that other people cause us. But here's the thing, folks. Today's wound can become tomorrow's infection if you don't deal with it. And what God says to us this morning is this. If you will just let me deal with it, I want to anoint that wound so it doesn't become tomorrow's infection. And this is how he would do it. This is how we do it. We have to go to him. David says, you anoint my head with oil. Not anyone else. You know, you've been to your friends. You've talked to your mates. You know, you've done, you've tried other things. But if you are wounded this morning, if you've got those irritating things in your face and you've tried everything else, why don't you try him? David says, you anoint my head with oil. So we go to him. Secondly, we bow before him. And what that means is this, in order for the sheep to receive oil, they needed to stop moving, change their posture and their position, and submit to the shepherd. And I've known this in my own life, even just in the last few weeks. You know, I know what it is to be, I'm I'm an activator, okay, I'm, you know, I I like to create, you know, I like to find solutions to problems, and, and there have been some things that have happened in my life the last few weeks that I haven't been able to find any solutions for, but I've needed just to receive help. And sometimes that means you stop running and you change position and you bow and you submit and then healing can come. Healing can come. The Bible says in in Hebrews chapter 4 that we have a great high priest called Jesus. And in the message it says this. We don't have a priest who's out of touch with our reality. He's been through weakness and testing, experienced it all, all but the sin. So let's walk right up to him and get what he is so ready to give. Take the mercy, accept the help. So what happens is that we go to him, we bow before him, and then we need to trust him. You know, I don't think the sheep understand, okay, the dynamics of what happens to them when the oil goes on their face and it repels the insects. I don't think they understand how when the oil goes on their head, it prevents conflict. I don't think they understand how when they're hurt and wounded, the oil that the shepherd puts on them Helps it not become an infection. They don't understand it. But all they understand is this. Something happens in the presence of the shepherd. And I want you to know this morning, folks. You might not understand how this all is going to work. And if you're newer to this, you might think this sounds really weird and really freaky. But all we can say is this. We don't understand it all. But something happens in the presence of the shepherd when we let him. When we let him reach into our life. Heal those wounds. Soothe those annoying irritants, prevent that conflict. Something happens in the presence of the shepherd. We need to go, we need to bow, and then we need to trust. And what we're going to do this morning is that we're going to invite you maybe to take a moment where you come into the presence of the shepherd, where you're not kind of rushing on, but where literally his, his staff has dropped down, okay? You know, like the barrier on the car park. And he's just saying, hey, how are you doing? Are there irritants in your life that I could help with? Is there conflict in your world that I could help with? Are there wounds in your life that I could help with? Because if you don't deal with the wounds today, they become infections tomorrow. Let's pray. Lord, I want to pray this morning that you just calm in these moments that we've got, out of our busy, hectic lives and just... Help us to breathe. Help us to rest. God, by the oil of your spirit, would you come and would you heal wounds? Would you come and soothe where there's conflict? Would you come and relieve where there's irritants in our face? God, we don't know, we don't understand how this all works. But God, something happens when we're in the presence of the shepherd and it's amazing. So God, this morning, I want to pray that every single one that no, I want to pray, please nobody move for the next few minutes if you can. Just stay where you are and let's just receive from him this morning. Let him lead you. Let him touch your life this morning. So maybe this morning there are some of us here and we know, we know that this is us, okay? We know that there is some irritants in our face and they're really bringing us down. There's some conflict in our world and there's some wounds that we're carrying. And I want to invite you this morning just to respond to him. And by way of response, I want to ask you just to stand and we're going to pray for you this morning. This is like the barrier coming down and God's saying, hey, this is you. Where are you at? And I can't explain it all, but I know something happens in the presence of the shepherd when we respond. So if that's you this morning, why don't you just stand and we'd love to pray for you. ask is anyone sat down you know why don't you just open your eyes for a minute and would it be amazing just to go and stand with those people that are there just reach a hand and just maybe put a hand on their shoulder and then I want to pray and and you all join with me in prayer as well because there's something released the spirit of God is released when we all begin to pray and it's a mystery I can't explain it but something happens in the presence of the shepherd he's a good shepherd he's a good shepherd So, Lord, we want to pray for these folks who are standing, Lord, before you this morning. We want to ask you, God, would you release the oil of your spirit? Would you release the oil of healing? Would you release the oil of relief? Would you release that oil that, that prevents and helps in conflict and helps when we're irritated and annoyed? And God, if we have wounds that we've picked up, because life is tough sometimes, God, would you heal those wounds today so they do not become an infection tomorrow? We pray for that release of your oil and of your spirit now in Jesus' name. And I just had this sense that for some of us, we've been wounded and it's felt like the wound has healed and there's like a scab over it, but the scab keeps getting knocked and it keeps coming off. And then it just feels like we're wounded again, like we were originally. And I just felt like God saying, it's time for the scab to go. And it's time for the wound to go completely. Not just a cover-up, but for a complete removal. So God, would you speak into people's lives, I pray. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Why don't we all just stand for a moment and just sing this song, this beautiful refrain. It's a really old song. We don't do it very often here. But just a, an invitation to... God would you lead us and my prayer for you guys is that as you journey through life and as you journey through this week that this will come back to you and you'll say hey God you in the middle of all this I need just to come aside I need to let you minister into my life I need to let that oil flow into the areas of my life so let's sing this together oh lead me Father we thank you you're such a great shepherd that you lead us Lord through the hustle and the bustle of life and when we do get wounded and when we do bump heads and when we do get irritated God you can draw us aside and there is oil there is healing in the middle of hurt God it's just too much it's just too much but we are grateful we are thankful this morning in Jesus name amen amen why don't you take your seats guys And you know, if if it wasn't too much for him to prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemies, if it wasn't too much for him to anoint our head and for us to experience healing in the middle of the hurt, he goes on even beyond that. And then he says, my cup overflows. What does that mean? I wonder if it means this. Is this half full or half empty? Who believes it's half full? Who believes it's half empty? Who couldn't give a rip? Okay. Okay. You see, when, when we think about my cup overflows, um, we, we think about half full, half empty. That it's about um, whether you're an optimist or a pessimist. It's your outlook on life. And um, that, that whole thing, um, you know, half full, half empty. I, I Googled this last night. Okay. Uh, to the question of, is it half full, half empty? Here's some responses. The, um, the, the weary mother of the five-year-old When asked, is it half full, half empty, says, sweetheart, it's whatever you want it to be. As long as you let mommy have five minutes of peace and quiet, I don't care. All right. (laughs) The optimist says it's half full. The pessimist says it's half empty. And while arguing, the pragmatist takes the glass and drinks the water. There you go. Do you know, this is nothing to do, my cup overflows, is nothing to do with whether you see life as half full or half empty. It's to do with something completely different. Uh, Have you ever been to somebody's house, okay... Uh, for dinner or for a party or something. And you get the sense through the evening that it's time for you to leave. Anyone ever had that feeling? We, we There's a whole group of us together on Friday night. We we're in someone's house and we were talking about this. And, and there are some subtle signs to help you out. If you don't read the room very well, okay, I want to help you this morning. There are some subtle signs the next time you're in someone's house that they want you to leave. All right? One sign is this. They won't ask you if you want any more drinks. All right? The other subtle sign, if there is a log fire, they won't put any more wood on the fire. That's a sign. If you still don't pick it up, they will bring you your coat. That's a very subtle sign as well. Once they start switching off the lights, you really need to leave. All right. You've overstayed your welcome. Now, here's the thing. In ancient Israel, when you came into the presence of a king or a ruler and you had a meal together, there was a sign that he was ready for you to leave. And the sign he was ready for you to leave was this, that while you've got your goblet, while you've got your cup, okay, as long as his servants are filling your cup up with wine, then he wants you to stay. But the minute they stop filling your glass with wine is the minute that the king wants you to leave. So when he wants you to leave, when he's had enough of your company, when he doesn't want you in his presence any longer, he'll indicate to his servants, don't give him any more wine. And basically, that's your cue to go. But David, who knew this, said this, but when it comes to the king of kings, my God, my Lord, my cup overflows. And you see, wet, wet, <laughs> this is amazing. It, you see, when the king wanted you to stay, he'd keep, he'd keep filling your cup. But if the king was so pleased, he really wanted you to stay, and it's almost like, Ah, oh, no, everybody else can go, but I really want this person to stay. He would ask the guys to fill the cup, not just to the brim, but till it overflowed. And the table all around it went wet. And so David says, my king, even though he doesn't have to, even though I don't deserve it, he loves me so much. He wants me to be in his presence so much that my cup isn't just filled to the top, but it overflows. That's amazing, isn't it? And because he knew who his shepherd was, and because he knew who he was in relation to his shepherd, he could declare, not only does he prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies, not only does he anoint my head with oil, but he makes sure that my cup, never runs dry that's amazing and in the midst of our hassles and in the midst of our difficulties to know that God loves us and that God wants us to be in his presence is an amazing thing so how wet is your table this morning how wet is your table because if you know God your table is absolutely soaked because he has overflowed your cup this morning a guy called Max Decader, who wrote a book where I've taken some of the ideas from for this series. Um, he wrote this in the book. One thing is certain, when the final storm comes and you are safe in your father's house, you won't regret what he didn't give you. You will be stunned at what he did. And I don't know about you, but I've had some tough times as well recently and many of you have much worse than I have. But coming to the point of realizing that even in the midst of tough times, there is a cup that overflows is an incredible help, isn't it? To know that God ever, never, ever wants me to pull away from that table. He's never fed up with my company. He never wants to send me out and bring someone else in. And if that's true for me, it's true for every single one of you this morning. And I think this morning as we close, all we can do is to celebrate our great God at what he's done. The amazing grace that he's given us by preparing a table before us in the presence of his enemies. You know, the incredible um, power in the, in the fact that whenever we're hurt and wounded, there is oil for that and that incredible symbol that he will never, ever let our cup run dry. What an amazing God we serve. And what I'm going to do is in a moment, we're going to celebrate together. But before we do that, our friends from Bulgaria are going to sing a song that they sang at their wedding. yesterday. It is so fitting, this song. This is a song called Amazing Grace, like you've never heard it before. Why don't we put our hands together and welcome them? Hallelujah. Let's pray. Let's pray. You know, my prayer for you this morning is that as you head out into your week, that these things that we've talked about, that you've experienced this morning will travel with you because your shepherd doesn't stay here, but he goes with you. So when you head into the office tomorrow or you head into school or university or the home or wherever you're going, he goes with you. And there is always a table prepared for you in the presence of your enemies. There is always anointing oil ready for you when you need it. And your cup will always overflow. So God, send us out this week, I pray, in the power of the Spirit to be led by you, to be shepherded by you, and to God, and to lead and inspire others wherever we go. Help us, God, this week, even in the midst of our difficulties, to do some good, because God, we serve a good shepherd. So God, go with us, we pray. We will follow you. You lead. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. 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 God bless you, everyone. Thank you so much for being with us. Have a great week. Next week is the last week in the series. We're looking at God's two great big sheepdogs next week, okay? You need to invite people along to it. It's the last week of the series. It's going to be a great morning. God bless you. Have a great week.